In this episode, I'm going to talk about one of the worst days of my life, my first wedding anniversary. So it also happened to be the same day that my daughter Krista was placed on hospice care, and the night that my husband deeply betrayed me by viewing pornography. So I'm going to give you three things that helped me to heal from it, in case you are going through this as well, or maybe you know someone who is. First, I want to mention a statistic. So according to Restoring Hearts Counseling, 77% of Christian men between 18 to 30 years old look at pornography at least monthly. 36% of those men view it on a daily basis. So reading that hurts my heart. If you're going through an issue with your spouse involving pornography, I hope that helps you see that it's not just your spouse. Don't take his viewing pornography personally. It's not your fault that he is addicted to pornography. And it doesn't make it right, but our culture has normalized viewing pornography, and most men started viewing it at a young age. So the problem with pornography being normalized is by the time someone wakes up to the fact that it's wrong, they've already become addicted. Most likely, your spouse won't be able to quit and change overnight. After years of viewing that stuff, the neural pathways in his brain have been changed. So the good news is that they can be changed. So there's hope for overcoming the addiction. So I'll start off by telling you my story. When I first met my husband, Canyon, we met online on Christian Mingle. And the first week that we visited each other, he came to Knoxville, Tennessee, where I was which was seven hours away from where he grew up and he lived at the time. So when my husband Canyon came to visit me, God put the word pornography on my heart, on my brain. And I was like, no, I am not going to ask him that, Lord. And I kept going back and forth with him. At the time I worked as a massage therapist and he brought, God brought that to my mind during that time, like of massaging someone while I was like having all the the headspace to think and then Canyon wasn't with me at that moment and so when I got home and spoke with Canyon I did not ask him about it because I was going back and forth with God like there's no way I'm just projecting my ex-husband onto him and I don't want to ask him about it and so but God kept tugging at my heart and I finally straight up asked him and he said yes I've been trying to quit I do have a problem with it and so I was pretty heartbroken. That's that's very hurtful to feel. I trusted him and it's just hurtful to hear something like that. And it felt like, you know, I was going into a new relationship and I didn't want to have those issues. I didn't want to have that problem and I didn't think deeply into it. And so we tried to work it out on our own. We used softwares. As soon as we had that conversation, he installed things like Covenant Eyes and Accountable to You on his phone and on his computer and so he stopped viewing it for an entire year but had issues still with flashes and double takes of people and stuff like that he had objectified women through viewing pornography for so long it was several years that he since he had started that and so over that time you can't just stop overnight you can't just install the software and then expect to not have an issue anymore it is wired into your brain at that point so even though he stopped actively looking for it and actively viewing it he still had issues with flashes in his mind he still had issues with not doing a double take in another woman 
And so we had to be open with that, you know, with each other for him to be able to tell me those things. But it still was very hurtful. And so before we even got married, he had a time that he confessed to me that he had viewed it again. And it just broke my heart because I saw him as this very good Christian man. And he was. And we all sin and we all fall short. But there was this addiction. It goes beyond just a sin asking for forgiveness and then doing your best not to do that again. It goes way beyond that because his brain had been rewired to want more and more of that because of the dopamine and stuff that it does to your brain. And so he went an entire year after we got married without viewing it. And so we thought that he was healed at that point. And so we stopped paying for the softwares because we wanted to, quote, save money, even though they're not that expensive. But we were like, okay, well, you're doing great. You haven't looked at that in a whole year, so we think you're good now. And during that time, we had only just been praying about it, and we hadn't really done, taken much action. It was kind of something that we assumed that he could just stop and then wouldn't have any other issues with. So we canceled that. And then my daughter Krista, she had this, what we thought was sickness when she had fluid coming out of her lungs. So she got admitted to the hospital and he happened to be the one that went with her that night. And so the doctors determined that she was gonna be placed on hospice care due to the fluid that was coming up and some other issues that she had. So the next morning, I was supposed to go to the hospital, sign the hospice care papers and then take her home. So he stayed with her that night. And it also happened to be like the night of our anniversary, our first wedding anniversary. So that night, he ended up viewing pornography at the hospital because he took his computer with him to have something to do. So I had no idea that was going on. I was at home with our other daughter and, you know, just trying to take in the fact that my daughter was on hospice care. So the next day when they get home, I just happened to say, hey, can I see your phone to, to look up something on Pinterest? I was going to, like, decorate her room in a nice, you know, calm, relaxing, um, just to just to provide a calming environment for her. And so it was completely innocent whenever I was asking to see his phone to get on Pinterest because mine was somewhere else. So when I pulled up Pinterest, it was like the algorithm you know, understands what you've viewed and stuff like that. And so it started showing women in lingerie and stuff. And it took me a minute to catch on because in my mind, Kenyon is such a good person. I couldn't even imagine him doing that. And the reality is that I have come to learn now after learning more about pornography addiction and how it affects the brain and how it's not you. It is not you that have done anything to cause your spouse to view pornography. I now have the understanding that something triggered him and he got to the point where he wasn't thinking of anyone else but himself. Pornography is a very selfish thing. It is all take. And so it it didn't matter what the surrounding environment was. His brain just knew this is the way I get dopamine. This is the way I can get what I need to get through this. And so when I saw that on Pinterest, I was very like blindsided. I was like, what am I looking at? You know, and it took me a while to register 
exactly what was happening. So after a few minutes, I started looking on other apps and other things and going through some of his internet history. And I was like, wait, what a minute, wait a minute, what is going on here? And so we had the discussion and I basically went crazy is what you could call it. I was so, I felt extremely betrayed because in my eyes, all I could see was the fact that you stayed with my daughter. How dare you disrespect her? How dare you do that to me when you know I was coming to sign hospice care papers? How dare you? How dare you? That was just the only thing on my mind. And what I didn't understand until now looking back was that was his way of coping since the time he was like 13 years old. That's how he coped with things. And no one told him any different. And maybe he didn't look for the answers to understand that you're not supposed to. That that's, that's not a good coping mechanism. And so that's how he coped with stress. That's how he coped with anything. Because his brain knew this this was an easy way for him to get dopamine and, and handle a situation. And so it had a lot more to do with the chemicals in his brain and the selfish motivation than it did with my husband wanting to hurt me. Canyon did not want to hurt me. He, when we had that discussion and argument and fight, he was so, so, so upset. He was so empathetic. He, you know, was extremely hurt by his own actions. And he, I could tell that it, he did not mean to do that. He wasn't doing it on purpose to hurt me. And most likely, if there's someone in your life that's doing that to you or someone you know, most likely it's not because they want to hurt you. They're not actively seeking out, how can I hurt my wife the most? Oh, I'm going to go betray her. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I just want to spy. I'm, I'm a spiteful person. I'm going to go do anything I can to hurt my wife. That's usually not what they're thinking. It is the chemicals in their brain. It's the way that their brain has been rewired since, you know, they weren't born that way. It got wired that way once they started watching pornography, probably as a young child. So my point with all of that is that was how I felt in that moment. I was beyond betrayed, I felt, but I also couldn't just drop everything. My daughter had just been put on hospice care. I had to get it together enough just to survive at that point. And maybe you're in that moment where you're just trying to survive it, where you may have recently found out about it or you've known about it and you're just trying to survive what you're going through right now. And so I didn't know what to do. So I took his phone, took his computer. He had no access to either one until we figured out what we needed to do. And he had no issue giving that up to me. He knew he did wrong. He knew he betrayed me. He felt terrible for it. And so he was okay with doing whatever I needed to do in that moment to be able to just get through it. And so if you're in that situation and you your spouse is also, you know, like Canyon was, where he's very upset about it. He's very hurt by it, too, and he doesn't mean to do it to you. And he might be using the words like, I didn't mean to. And you might be thinking, how could you not mean to? You clicked on it. But the way the brain works, it goes back to that. And that's why they feel like they didn't mean to do it. And so if I were you and you need to get through this and just survive it, I would make requests to my husband that would make me feel more comfortable. And he should be open and willing to meet you at those requests and make boundaries with you. Set boundaries that will help you survive it until you can figure out some better coping mechanisms and some ways to get through it that are healthy ways.
so we didn't know who to turn to. And we ended up reaching out to some church friends that we had met, and we didn't know if they had any experience with it. We had no idea, but we did reach out to them, and they were very helpful to us. And that was when we finally realized we needed real help, that what we had tried to do to begin with, we thought we could deal with it on our own. We thought that he could just quit cold turkey, not have to get, you know, and and we even canceled those subscriptions eventually. And I will never, we will never go without software on the computer that alerts when something inappropriate is seen or searched for. We will never go without that. Not just to protect him, but also to protect our children. Because, you know, that's a whole, a whole nother story. But the fact is, our husbands are going to be tempted. There is an enemy who is dying to get them into sexual sin, into lust. Because that doesn't just destroy, you know, them. It destroys their body, too. And that's what it talks about in the Bible. It's a sin against, you know, God. It's also a sin against your own body. And so, of course, the devil, the enemy, wants to use that against our husbands. So there will never be a time that we're not diligent, even if it's been 20 years and Kenyon has not viewed that at all not at an issue we're not going to get rid of things like software and things that are going to protect that are put in place before the problem even arises it is to protect our husbands and our children because the enemy wants to devour them in this way we did a ton of research for christian-based information and not just like progressive christianity info you have to be careful when you find you know, quote, Christian information, because it needs to be Bible-based and truth on the subject, truth that is found in the Bible, not what somebody believes, not what they want to believe, because things like progressive Christianity will excuse a lot of behaviors. Yes, we should love everyone, but you should not accept your husband's sexual sin. You should not accept that lust is okay. The Bible makes it very clear that neither one of those are okay. You should not lust after your neighbor's wife. They should not be lusting over another woman, period. That is not okay. It is a sin, and we should not accept that sin. Should we love our husbands? Should we try to support them and help them? Yes, but we will not accept that as normal like the world has. And so I had to stop believing the world about how it's just how men are. No, this is not just how men are. God did not create men to view pornography, to lust at people, to lust over women. They did not, he did not create men like that. So no, that's not just how they are. And that drives me crazy when I hear that's just how boys are. Boys are being boys. That's just how men are. That drives me insane when someone says that because no, it doesn't have to be that way. Why are we believing <clears throat> that crap? It is total crap that they have that that's just how they are. No, we have to teach them better. We have to help them learn better. We have to do better. And they the Bible makes it very clear. So no, it's not just how men are. Don't believe that. And so, I also had to realize that it's real trauma and real betrayal. It's lust. 
It is not something that you can just brush off. It is not just a little tiny thing. It is real. It is real trauma and real betrayal. So don't feel like because you are so upset about this that you should just accept it or that you should just let it go because it's real trauma and you have to treat it like you've been traumatized. You have to treat it like he has cheated on you, like it's betrayal and he should be treating it that way too because that's what it is. He has betrayed you. He has broken your trust. And he has to step up and help fix that. And you also have to be open to fixing that. And healing is hard work. It is just so hard. You have to open yourself up. You have to possibly be betrayed again. You have to take a risk. Healing is hard work. And so I had to wake up to the fact that I had to work on my own healing no matter what my husband did. I'm so thankful that he was open to healing himself and to allowing God to help him heal and to allowing God to help him to break his addiction and break the chains that addiction had on him. But I had to make the decision that no matter what he did, whether he did or not, whether he relapsed, no matter what, I had to work on my healing and allow God to heal my heart. And it took work. I had to take full responsibility for my happiness. And it was a process daily. Healing takes something from you daily. And now, at this point, we have been married almost three years. And for the last two years, he has not, you know, relapsed. We have done a lot of different things. I'll mention a few things that helped me heal, but him and I together have done a lot of things to help us both with our healing. We've set a lot of boundaries and consequences, and we have a beautiful marriage now, and we have built trust back, and it's possible. I want you to know that it's possible to do, because if it was possible for us, coming from such a terrible circumstance, then it's possible for you too. And so here are three things that helped me heal and they continue to help me heal. So number one, finding a mentor who fully understands pornography addiction and how the betrayal affects the spouse. It's very important. Some people will understand that pornography addiction is bad, but they won't even consider how it affects the spouse. So finding a mentor who understands your side, your position is very important. And so a man named Doug Weiss became our mentor and he still is without even knowing who we are. And so he was one of the only people who ever made me feel truly heard when it came to my side of the addiction. And he has a ton of resources that you can find online. So number two was journaling my feelings. Writing out your feelings can help you to not say them to your husband. And at the time when I was going through that, I felt like I hated my husband. And so by journaling that out, it helped me see the progress I made in healing over time as well by looking back and reading how I was feeling but it also helped me to not say those things directly to him when it wasn't appropriate number three is prayer and rest I had times while I where I felt so heartbroken that all I could do was lie in my bed crying and saying Jesus help me God knew what I couldn't even speak and he gave me a peace that surpassed all understanding 
and a piece that helped calm my anxious thoughts and rest. The trauma I had experienced didn't just affect me emotionally, but also physically. Overall, when we're trying to heal, rest is essential. Prayer is essential every moment of every day, but especially when going through something so painful. I pray this episode was helpful to you. You can follow me on Instagram at sierra.m.cook, where I'll be sharing more about my story and tips to help you get through trials in life. I want to say a quick prayer over you as I close this episode. Lord, I pray for the person listening to this. If they are experiencing pornography addiction in any way, whether it's a spouse or someone they know, I pray that you would be with them. I pray that you would give them strength and perseverance. I pray that you would help them to understand and have the an understanding that it's not them. That can be very difficult to comprehend. They are enough. They are beautiful. And please help them to remember that. It's not because they are not beautiful that their spouse views pornography. It's not because they're not good enough. It's not because they are not loved. Please help the the woman who is listening listening to this have peace, have rest. Help her to take care of herself. Help her to take care of her children. Give her strength. Give her the energy she needs to get what she needs done. Please help her heart to start healing. Lord, her heart is shattered. Her heart is hurting. Please give her healing. And please help her spouse to be open to boundaries and to be open to healing and to be open to doing the work that it takes to overcome this addiction. Thank you for the woman listening to this. Thank you for the wife that she is, the mother that she is. Thank you for loving her and caring for her. I pray that you will carry her through this. Walk with her through the fire, Lord, and help her to remember that she's going to come out on the other end and she's going to look back and remember that everything she went through and helped her husband through. I pray that you'll bless the woman listening to this with an abundance of love and a beautiful, healed marriage. Amen.